Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business. We're the number one global business radio show for entrepreneurs. And uh, I'm pleased to advise that I've just signed with World Talk Radio to present the show on the Voice America Business Network for a further 12 months. So we started off on a 13-week trial and we're now in our fourth year. So we're pretty happy about all that. This program, we're all about helping entrepreneurs and, and in fact, everybody in business to be more successful. And we'll continue to bring you advice and great interviews throughout the year to help you maximize your success. We have fun doing it, and we hope you have fun listening. About 25 years ago, I worked with an extraordinary, he was pretty nutty, but he was extraordinarily talented, creative guy named Jeffrey Bullen. I don't know whether he's still around or not. I hope he is. Now, Jeff was terrified about his conversations being listened to, not by other people, but mainly by plants. We often had to move tables because there was a plant that he was convinced was leaning in and listening to everything we were saying. I was with him on a couple of occasions where he would complain about plants and even and once um, when he picked up a five-foot potted plant and threw it off a balcony in a restaurant because the plant was listening to us. As I said, he was really crazy, but he was really creative. <laughs> I'm not sure, you know, whether he's still around, but um, I saw the other day about the fact that um, our conversations could be heard, recorded, and used in all sorts of nefarious ways by your television set and probably by your refrigerator, your toaster, and almost everything else that's um, being put in your house that's connected to something. Now, this would really have sent Jeff round the twist and it brought back some really good memories. But people are being warned not to discuss sensitive information, whatever that is, in front of their smart TV because they are listening to everything you are saying. Samsung's new smart TV is a cool new voice command feature through which the internet-connected device can record everything you say and transmit it to a third party. Just think, if your living room and kitchen conversations are being recorded and passed on, your privacy's shot. Homes are supposed to be places in which families and friends can talk about anything and everything. Police have to get a warrant to come in. But whoever owns the technology in your toaster can just listen to anything you say. <laughs> um, consenting adults should also be able to have an affair in the bedroom without the contents of which being recorded by your bedside lamp and broadcast out to the world, I would have thought. And for God's sake, don't sit there and talk about tax evasion or drug use. But sensitive information could potentially be passed on to law enforcement, to advertisers, and all sorts of other groups. And this is according to Samsung. Now, similar concerns, of course, were raised about Siri, which also transmits information to a third party. And uh, the Siri dictation feature is sent to servers that reside in the US, and Apple, its related companies and agents, have um, access to all that's been dictated in it. So I can see the stock that I really need to invest in next is some form of voice scrambler so that we can uh, talk in private in our homes. You probably thought that putting your photos on Facebook created attention and has everybody notice you, right? Well, you'd be wrong. Social media analytics company Social Bakers shows just how badly photos perform compared with videos, links, and even simple text-only posts in terms of reach on Facebook. Now, what makes this data remarkable is it was less than a year ago 
that posting photos, and this is by the same analytics company, posting photos gave brand page owners the best chance of their posts being seen. Now the algorithm's changed, and uh, perhaps in response to page owners trying to game the system by constantly posting photos, or maybe because Facebook's been shifting its strategy towards videos. <coughs> Excuse me. But the um, Social Baker's data, which covered more than 670,000 posts in the last six months, shows that video is now the most effective way to reach users in the news feed, driving more than twice as much reach as photo posts. Surprisingly, though, um, text posts followed closely behind videos and photos were dead set absolute motherless last. And this trend um, is right across social media where videos are becoming a more and more powerful tool. Been a big week this last weekend for the movies and let me ask you a question. What do Iron Man and that kinky billionaire Christian Grey have in common apart from the fact that they both know how to drive huge box office revenues? Have a guess. The answer is they both drive Audis. So after smashing the box office this weekend, Fifty Shades of Grey, it's the talk of the film world, took about $100 million through Sunday, through, sorry, through Monday, and because it's the talk of the automotive world, then, um, of course, Audi has become the talk of the um, automotive world. So while Volkswagen, who owns Audi, Volkswagen's an incredible company, isn't it? You think about Volkswagen, and they've got Volkswagens, which is pretty ordinary sort of a car, and they own Audi, and they also own Lamborghini. If you were if you were Volkswagen, if you're a Volkswagen executive and you had to drive a company car, I'd be sticking my hand up for a Lamborghini. Um, but Audi has now steadily established itself as a really serious challenger to Mercedes, BMW, and Lexus. You know, it kind of makes sense, I guess, that Audi and Christian Grey and Audi and Iron Man go together. They're all passionate. They're all aggressive. They've all got grunt. It makes perfect sense because Audi's aiming for a younger set of affluent buyers. Mercedes and BMW are seen as cars for older folks. I drive Mercedes and I hate to think of myself as driving a Mercedes looking like some old dotty guy. But apparently Mercedes and BMW are for the oldies. Audi's are for the young Silicon Valley and Wall Street types. That's reassuring. <clears throat> um, apparently, E.L. James, who wrote the books, included Audis in a books for obvious reasons. Rolls-Royces and Bentleys imply Lord of the Manor luxury, while Mercedes is um, associated with ageing plutocrats and BMWs tainted by being the sort of preferred vehicle of Hollywood types. So... Why couldn't Grey or Iron Man drive a Ferrari, a Porsche or a Lamborghini or a Tesla? Well, because although those cars are stunning, they apparently carry with them an adolescent hangover. I don't get that, but apparently that's the, that's the reasoning. Now, Apple's obviously expecting the Apple Watch to be a big deal. In fact, Apple's actually redesigning its stores to make them more suitable for the Apple Watch. They apparently want to make Apple stores feel more like a natural environment for the showcases that are going to be filled with gold Apple Watches. 18 karat gold watches. Woo! Um, and Apple are also installing custom design safes for storing the watches. And the safes will all have charges inside to ensure that the watches remain powered up 24 hours a day. Apple's also working on special weight scales for measuring the Apple Watch. This is to stop customers buying the device 
removing or replacing the gold and returning the watch to the store. You'd have to be pretty miserable, wouldn't you, to pinch the gold off an Apple Watch? Jeez, <laughs> you don't see it happening with Rolexes. Um, prices for the Apple Watch aren't confirmed yet, but rumours have it that it's going to be around $5,000. Uh, and the regular model's starting at just $349. I'm glad, actually, that it's come in at $5,000 because that's the perfect price for my wife to buy me one for my birthday. So I'm looking forward to that. Apple's asked its suppliers to make about 6 million of them during the first quarter ahead of the product's release in April. Jeez, they sold 6 million of them at uh, 5000 bucks a pop. They'd be doing all right, wouldn't they? Jeez, they know how to make money that lot, don't they? So speaking of all things Apple, there's plenty of rumours about Project Titan. That's Apple's proposed new electric car. Of course, nothing's been confirmed yet. The Apple car would be a massive multi-year undertaking. But here's what we've heard so far. It's called Project Titan, and it's an electric car. This puts Apple in competition with Tesla, which is today's car du jour, a magnificent vehicle. And many in the know are saying that Apple will, inqu- Apple will acquire Tesla and pay Mr. Musk $75 billion for it. Now, if you haven't had a chance to look at the proposed Apple car, there's been a few photographs of it around the last couple of days. It is seriously bloody ugly. God, it looks like a minivan. It's a horrible looking thing. On the other hand, the Tesla's beautiful. Maybe Apple have just put out these dreadful photos to throw us off the scent. But Apple's apparently had hundreds of people working on Project Titan for more than a year, including a number of senior figures from the automotive industry. It's also likely to be a self-driving car. And of course, that's what um, Elon Musk's aiming for. Apple and Tesla are locked in a hiring war with Apple offering $250,000 starting bonuses. So come and work for me. Here's here's a quarter of a million dollars and we're also going to pay you whatever. It's also reported that Apple has enticed at least 50 Tesla employees to its ranks. So... All Apple employees will say at this stage is that they're working on something that will give Tesla a run for its money. And, you know, if you think back, you may well recall that um, before he passed away, Steve Jobs told the New York Times that if he wasn't so sick and if he had more energy, he'd take on Detroit with an Apple car. So... Maybe um, Apple's picking up the ball where Steve Jobs left it and they're going to put out that car. The difference, I think, is that if um, Steve Jobs had produced an electric car, an Apple car, it would look absolutely beautiful. I mean, he had a real flair for design and style. This horrible-looking thing that they're promoting at the moment I don't think anybody would buy it I mean it'd be novel but I don't know too many people would buy it anyway assuming that the rumours are true with Project Titan's research facility only a year and a bit old a commercial rollout of Apple's electric car self-driving is probably a little way off yet I think actually that self-driving cars are probably closer than we think They've been around for a while. A lot of people are talking about them. A lot of um, motoring organisations are looking at them. A lot of governments are talking about them. So I'm not sure that it's as far away as perhaps we think. Now, for those of you who listen to the show regularly, you'll probably appreciate that and understand that I'm a huge believer in drones and their future applications. Now, a design firm in Texas, 
in Austin has designed a drone ambulance, a drone ambulance that is designed to speed up emergency support in rural areas and provide uh, quick treatment for traffic accidents where perhaps it's on a, on a freeway and there's difficult access for, um, for ambulances. This, um, this is no tiny little drone. This drone's about the size of a car and it's a totally fitted out ambulance and as uh, soon as they hear of an accident, they can dispatch the drone without having to wait for a driver or anything. They just go, you're off, off the drone goes, flies to the accident, land next, lands next to the accident and you've got a full ambulance there. However, I thought of an issue. You've got the ambulance there, but you've got no bloody doctors or anything. So what, you're just sort of hoping that there's going to be a doctor um, in the traffic that's hanging around not doing anything and is prepared to get sued uh, <laughs> using the stuff out of this zone. Hmm. Maybe that hasn't been thought through quite well enough, but Argo Design had a lot of conversations with companies about drones and noticed that most of them are small ones that are um, for consumer applications such as Amazon with their delivery of parcels. So they designed one that's the size of a car. It's fitted out just like an ambulance. So it can fly above traffic or rural territories, can avoid obstacles on the ground and arrive at, on the location fast. Well, helicopters still need a lot of land. So if they solve how they're going to get the paramedics to be there when the drone arrives... I reckon they've got a winner on that. Now, this program, as you know, is all about promoting and saluting entrepreneurs. And so this story about an eight-year-old who makes $1.3 million a year posting toy reviews on YouTube sort of caught my eye. Eight years old, making $1.3 million a year. You know, I was thinking back when I made my first $1.3 million a year, I must have been at least 10. <laughs> Can you believe it? I'm an eight-year-old. I make $1.3 million a year. What do you, Dad? What do you do, Dad? You're an architect. How much do you make? 150000 <laughs> He wouldn't be much of a precocious kid, would he? Anyway, Evan is the kid behind Evan Tube HD. I've had a look at a couple of them. They're really cute. This kid reviews toys and video games. It sounds simple, but it's actually a very professional outfit. They've got a dedicated sales team that sells ads and negotiates deals with brands and businesses. So it's a fully slick outfit. And the majority of the revenue is generated by the ads placed inside the video itself. YouTube and Google handle all the ad placement within the site. So... This kid's got quite a little team going for him, but when you watch this kid, he's great. He's he's cute. He's a good-looking little kid. He's eight, and he's enthusiastic. He's very theatrical. He uses his voice very well. He's very dramatic with his hands, and um, he's pretty cool for an eight-year-old. He's cool, and what he says is interesting, and if the toy's for a six-year-old, he'll say, wow, hey, this toy's for a six-year-old, and, you know... He's good, so he's got the game licked. He uh, he tries out the toys. Sometimes he uses his little sister. Now, Evan, the eight-year-old, for those of you who have got 43 views on your, on your page, Evan, the eight-year-old, has racked up just over one billion views. <laughs> So one person on every in every eight on this whole fucking planet has watched this little kid do toys. How cool is that? I love it. Some of his videos have over 50 million views per video. All of the proceeds from the channel go into his investment and savings account. <laughs> Jeez. He's been doing it for about three or four years, so he's probably got four or five million bucks in the bank. It's not bad for an eight-year-old. Go, Evan. We love you. 
You're our Entrepreneur of the Week. Now, you're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show from Los Angeles on Voice America Business. We're here every week at the same time to assist entrepreneurs to become successful. So if you've got a question about any aspect of business, please don't hesitate to email me at bob at bobpritchard.com and we'll answer it on air or we'll email you directly if, um, if we can. Make sure you subscribe to my monthly newsletter, which I know for the last three weeks I've been telling you is going to go out this week. Well, just haven't got around. I've been busy as hell. But this week, I promise you, we are going to send out the newsletter. It goes out to about 16,000 people in um, 60 countries, and it will go out this week. So if, you haven't, if you're not on the list for the newsletter yet, um, get onto my uh, website, bobpritchard.com, and... Uh, Put yourself down, get yourself on the list, and you will get the newsletter this um, this week. You're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business, and I'll be back after the break with my guest, David Long. He's an interesting guy, and he's a founder and CEO of My Employees, and they develop employee recognition and engagement program programs for over 12,000 client companies in North America. Woo! This is Bob Pritchard live from Los Angeles, and I'll be back with David Long in just a moment. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, this is the segment of the show where we talk to extraordinary people. You know, people that have enjoyed great success and that are really making a difference. As I've said a million times on this program... It is extremely difficult to be successful and uh, there are so many traps you can fall into and so many mistakes you can make and uh, you know one of the ways to avoid a lot of those pitfalls is to take advice of what people that have come before us have done and how they've overcome ob- obstacles and of course as I've also mentioned many times get yourself a mentor. Now there's some amazingly talented people in this world and what I try to do when I chat to them is to find out what are the characteristics that make them tick? What is it that, what have they got that makes them successful? And how can each of us learn from them? Well, today's guest is David Long. He's the founder and CEO of My Employees. Now, this is a 25-year-old firm, but it's in the top 1% worldwide in the employee engagement and recognition industry. Now, that's a phenomenal achievement. They provide employee recognition and engagement programs for over 12,000 active client companies in the US and Canada. Their largest accounts, Walmart, with you know 2,000-odd locations. But my employee specializes in helping managers build stronger, more engaging relationships with their team members. And they do this by um, linking rewards and recognition programs to the goals of the company. You often hear me read emails from, from listeners who say, how do I get my team motivated? You know, how do I get them to come in here every day with the excitement and the enthusiasm that I have? Well, David's one of those guys that helps you do exactly that. And uh, he believes in the Zig Ziglar philosophy. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to be around 
when Zig Ziglar was in his heyday, and uh, Zig said, you can have anything you want in life if you first help others get what they want, and that's so true. As a result, David has touched an amazing number of lives through the year, including employees, clients, friends, and family. So, David really knows how to make this work and how to um, get the most out of running a company and your employees. David, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Thank you, Bob. I'm honoured to be with you today. How are you? Where are you? <laughs> I'm in Wilmington, North Carolina. Okay. On the ocean here, about 70 miles north of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Okay, now exactly where you are. The only problem is, I guess it's cold. Uh, it's, it's cooler today. It's probably about 56, I think, 57 oh, okay. today. Okay. I don't mean to brag, <laughs> but I'm here in Southern California. We're, we're somewhere up around the 80. <laughs> yeah. I was just in Delray Beach, Florida for a conference. I got back two days ago. It was 80 down there. Right. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about your company and how did it come about? 25 years ago, um, that was really at the start of trying to incentivize people, wasn't it? Sounds about right. I actually, uh, myself, I had lost my job, and uh, I went through seven, I'm not bragging when I say this, I went through seven jobs in three and a half years and hated everything I did. Yeah. And uh, I started my, my business, which we did $9 million last year. I started my business in a five-foot-by-five-foot five spot in my mom and dad's garage. Not my garage. I didn't have a house. <laughs> it was mom and dad's garage. So it's even worse than most of these other garage started businesses. Yeah. Well, the, the um, so when when you began, what was the biggest obstacle back then? The biggest obstacle today seems to be trying to raise the funds to kick your business off. What was the biggest obstacle way back then? I'll tell you what, I didn't have any money. Uh, yeah. One thing I did do in the uh, recognition business is that when I lived in Charlotte, North Carolina, I used the company up there. Uh, to do my plaques and various things like that for our employees. Right. Well, when I lost my job and I moved back home, I said, that guy, Lloyd Smith is his name, uh, I said, you know, he really is a great guy at what he does. I'm going to drive back over there. I'm going to call him and see if he'll let me take your lunch. And he said, yeah, I can give you a half hour. So I drove <laughs> the four hours back to Charlotte, North Carolina. I took him out to eat and make a long story short, we were there four hours and over four hours. Right. And I'm taking notes. I wrote a great day, probably five, six, seven uh, pages of notes. And I came back, and I looked at what he told me, and he said, well, you should do these big yellow page ads, and I couldn't afford that. He said, you should get a nice job, you know, to put all your, your stuff in and everything, your, you know, your wares, yep. uh, your wares and various things to show, and I couldn't afford that. So <laughs> I started my company doing nothing of what that was on that list. Right. So it was just... So um, sometimes you have to innovate. Perseverance and hard work, isn't it? That's exactly what it was. Right? You know, people say, what are the three secrets to success? And they are hard work, hard work, and more hard, hard work. work. Yeah, that's true. That's exactly right. So you've recently written your book, in, and it's called Built to Lead, Seven Management Rewards, spelled out, Principles for Becoming a Top 10% Manager. First of all, it's a hell of a long title. <laughs> but, uh, rewards, by the way, when you said it's spelled out, rewards is an acronym. Yeah, for what? And, uh, that, that's my system. That's my principle. Okay, okay. So, I don't know about you, but I'm sitting here looking at my wall, and I have 2,612,000 business books, only a fraction of... <laughs> you and me both. Only a fraction of which I read so why the hell should anybody like managers and business owners read your book when we got a whole bloody wall full of them that's a great idea uh, that's a great question because uh, one of the things that are in my book that's not in the vast majority of manager books out there first of all I wrote it from the trenches I right. wrote it starting from nothing and built it into the top 1% company in our industry right you know today I have 47 employees and like I said we did roughly 9 million in sales last year, uh, I have no debt. I ha I have about you know I've got great day. I've got a twenty thousand square foot office building, sixteen acres of commercial property, uh, motor coach. My wife and I have Harley Davidson. We rode cross country, ocean <laughs> ocean no five. I take off twenty two to twenty four weeks a year. I've already scheduled twenty four this year. Uh, you know, 
So These are good. things that I've learned through the years. I know what the heck I'm talking about. Good. <laughs> so, what is it that? What's the principal motivator for staff? As I mentioned earlier, I get people writing to me all the time saying, "You know, I've got these lazy bastards around the office, and you know they just do what they have to do, and at five o'clock or five right. thirty, they bolt out the yeah. door." What's the biggest yeah. motivator for for people for employees? The number one thing, Bob, that you can do as a leader or manager within your company is to show every one of your team members that they are significant to the success of the company. Matter of fact, if you go to George Mason University, did some research, I think back in 99, uh, 1999, and uh, they, they, they took 10 criteria. And they said, here, managers, rank what you think matters to employees. And here, employees, tell us what rank that you rank as being important to you. So employees, obviously, would be slightly different than managers. Well, more than slightly. Yeah. Managers said the number one thing that matters to employees is money. Employees had it number five. Right. Employees had number one, Bob, is feeling like I'm making a contribution to the success of the company. And yeah. number two, right behind it, was being rewarded for making a successful contribution to the company. Yeah. So employee that. recognition is huge. But managers had employee recognition number eight. Wow. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So let's say, tell me, tell me if the business is too small, but let's say I've got a business that's got 10 people or I've got a business mm-hmm. that's got 100 people and I want to come up with a plan to incentivate them and get the most out of them. Um, okay. I wouldn't be able to do that myself because I don't know how to do it. So I head along to my employees and I say mm-hmm. to you, um, I want some sort of a system that will incentivate my people. Right. What do you do? How do you go about it? How do you um, determine who gets what rewards and, and what the structure of that is? Okay. That's a great question. What we do primarily is we have a, a consultative sales approach where we talk with the manager, right. the leaders of a particular company, and ask them, what are you trying to improve within your company? Of course, right. sales is always important. Yeah. But there are so many other aspects. So we find out what is important to the success of the company, and we tie the employee recognition program directly to that outcome. Right. You, know, so, you have to show your employees specific, you know, what they – someone once said, and I don't know who it was, they said, what gets recognized gets repeated. Right. So do different, different people in different roles and at different levels of the company um, – Require different types of rewards and incentives, or is it a one-size-fits-all type deal? What we do mostly at our company, and we look for ways to recognize our people at every opportunity right. uh, and show them the significance that they everybody craves. Sure. But what we do primarily is, is within departments, we have competitions between the people. We rank them on all kinds of criteria. I've got, I'm looking at it on my computer right now. I've got a dashboard five different fields, not fields, but charts. They right. show me the success and strength. And that's what we do. We show people how to tie the success of what they want to accomplish to how we recognize the people. Uh, one thing I do, and in, 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 we talked about rewards being an acronym, that second, you got R, the R is for reconnaissance, figure out who's on the team right. know, and improve them. But second is education. Yeah, I was, oh, just about, I was just about to run through the, the, what that stands for. Oh, okay. For. Um, then I'll wait then. <laughs> and, and, you know, <laughs> I, I'd actually love to get a copy of the book. When we get off this, I'll give you my address because I'd love to get a copy because um, it's, it's very I interesting. I thought you already had a copy. I, do I? I don't think I do. But I'll, okay. I'll I'm search it through. I they shipped you one a while ago, but I'll okay. check it myself. Um, yeah, definitely. What are the... Seven rewards principles, the R E W A R D S. Can you Absolutely. talk us can you talk us through this? I will. Uh the R, the first R in reward is for recon or reconnaissance. Uh you know, recon they call it in the military. And yep. if you go to Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, which is a great yep. book, um, book. He talks about having the right people in your team. Yep. And that's huge when you're right. He said boss, but you know, same thing. But uh that's what you want. If you have, for example, let's talk about your management team. Well, think of your management team as the car, the tires on a car, four right. managers. If you're going down the road and one of those drops the ball and doesn't pull their weight or they go flat, if you will, the whole car pulls over. Yep. So having a weak member of management on your team is disastrous. 
You have to make sure that every member of your management team wants to get better and is not complacent. They've right. got to be driven just like you are as a leader. It's not going to work. Okay. And then you sit down with you sit down with each of the managers and you assess the strength of each of the employees in the department. You okay. decide who stays and who goes. I always say to people, uh, either fix them or fire them. Yeah, I've got it. Well, I've got a I've got a very simple philosophy for that. Um, <laughs> it is impossible. The only way to change people is to change people. I don't believe that you can take somebody and change like them. You know, if, if the only way to change them is to change them, get rid of them. Do you do you agree with that? I do to a degree. I, okay. I just think that sometimes we all have personal things in our lives. Like, for example, you can have a phenomenal employee who's been great for 10 years, but all of a sudden you're seeing a problem. And, and if, you're, if you're a great leader, you're going to pull them aside and say, look, Bob, you know, you've been a phenomenal employee for years. What is going on that all of a sudden you are having these attitude issues? You know, right. you, you know them. You want to get to know the people uh, well enough where you can pull them aside and talk to them and figure out what the problem is. Because you've got a lot invested in that person, Bob. So you don't yep. want to let them go at the first whim of having a problem. Okay. Can I can I just ask, interject for a second? Um, okay. Who does the assessment of these people? Do you do it? Does your company do it in conjunction with the management, or do you allow the management to make those determinations um, themselves? No, the manager of each company has to do that themselves. Okay. Definitely. Definitely. So they feed that through to you. All right. Right. Mm -hmm. Next. (laughs) Yeah, the next one is E in the acronym uh, reward, and that is for education. And that doesn't mean you pay for your employees to go to school. That's what I'm talking about. What I do differently, and you want to know one of the reasons to read the book, this is what I was going to say a few minutes ago, is I've, I've developed what I call my book club. Now, when most people hear book club, they're going like, they, they envision that, you know, sixth grade reading group yeah, yeah, no, in elementary school. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about, Bob. What I do is I bought 10 years ago, I think it was when I started this, a decade, and I bought copies, I bought uh, one copy of uh, Dr. Tony Zeiss's book, The 12 Essential Laws for Becoming Indispensable. Yeah. And I read that book. And I said, man, this is great. I got to show this to my employees. So I bought another 11 copies. There were 12 of them at the time. Mm-hmm. So I called a meeting in the break room, and I said, guys, here's a book I want you to read. We're going to read Chapter 1. We're going to come back in here next Wednesday, and we're going to talk about Chapter 1. Write down your notes what you got out of it. I mean, man, it was like deer in the headlights. Nobody, nobody said anything. They were like, what are you talking about? And I yeah. said, yes, we're all going to grow together as a team, and this is going to help us do it. So the very first week when we met, Nobody wanted to say anything, so I started telling them how my attitude was issue. So one by one, over the period of the next two or three weeks, everybody started getting involved and started sharing, and that has been an experience I would never go back uh, before. I mean, it's just it's bonded us together as a team. We're a world-class team, and that book club that I started a decade ago has an immense amount of influence on that happen. Yeah, I so can. That's what I talk about. Yeah, I can. I can attest to that because we used to take, we used to get um, um, tapes or what, whatever, and we would we would actually do it as a collective for an hour uh, uh-huh. every Monday. Yeah. We'd sit down and we'd listen to fifteen minutes of communication, for example, by Peter Thompson. Right. We'd sit down, and listen to an hour, and then we'd say, "Okay, how do, how is what you've listened to? How does that?" How can we make that apply to our business? And then we discuss mm-hmm. that for a few minutes, and then we'd say, "Well, okay, how can what we've learned now apply to each of our customers? What can we do mm-hmm. to make Excellent. their business better?" And it made a hell of a difference, it huge does. difference, no and doubt. People start communicating with each other in a way that they hadn't done before. That's very true. Absolutely. Okay. In fact, it bonds people together so much that we, in the past, and most companies, I think, would say this. Typically, people from departments would go to lunch together. And because yep. of our book club and people getting to know each other throughout the company, it's not uncommon to see somebody from production go with sales and support. They just take off and go together. That would not happen in that book club. Yeah, it knocks down silos. I agree. It does. Okay, yeah. we're at W. W. Yeah, what does that stand yeah, for? The book club meeting, the reason is called Winners Emerge. Okay. And from book club meetings, let me give you a prime example. I've got a young man named Josh Straw, who's the most shy employee out of 48 people in our company. Right. And he, we actually, as managers, we want to help develop our people. And so what we did is periodically we'll ask this, anyone like, want to lead book club meetings. So 
I, I happened not to be there that particular week, but my Steeler Adams heart asked that, and several people came to him and said, I want to. Well, one of those was Josh. Josh, like I said, is the most shy employee in the company. And when I heard he was going to do it, I said, Josh Straw, really? You know, I was a Josh because he's <laughs> yeah. that shy. Yeah. So I happened to be back the next week, so, so I was happy and glad to see this. Is Josh was standing up in front of everybody. He's holding the book, talking about it, and his book is shaking in his hands. Yeah. But he did a phenomenal job, Bob. That's and he great. He really grew to that day. Giving confidence. Yeah. Yes. Oh, and he okay. continued to build on that. He's just immensely changed individual. Great. A. A is for attitude. My father passed away last year, but he was a, uh, a Baptist minister for 55 years. He told okay. me when I was being the man, he said, son, your attitude is huge in how you look at things. He said, if your attitude is clear, if you hold up a prism in front of your face, and it's clear, everything you see through it is clear. But if you drop it in the mud and you pick it back up and you look at it, everything you see through it is, ma- is muddy and dirty. Yeah. So that's how your attitude is. Yeah. So if I were to say to you as an employee, Bob, uh, I need you to work in this area over here of the company today. We're short staff. Yep. And you could look at that two different ways. What are you picking on me for if your attitude's bad? Or if yep. your attitude's good, you could say, man, you must see something in me you didn't see in these other people. You didn't ask them to do that. Yeah. So it's totally, your attitude just alters your perception of what happens in life. I agree entirely. Could not agree more. Okay. Good. R. R, as you can imagine, the second R, if you will, is recognition. And 65% of employees, according to Gallup organization, 65% of employees said they had received absolutely no recognition from their manager in the last year. A whole year? Are you kidding me? I mean, that's ridiculous. So, I mean, that's their job. The number one job is to motivate your people and to direct them in the way they should go as a leader. Yeah. And number one thing that employees want to be shown is that they are significant. Yeah. They matter. And yeah. that comes from you. You can never, ever expect your team to be loyal to you as a leader if you're not loyal to them first and prove it. Yeah. So I that's agree. critical. So I that's agree. That Couldn't agree more. D. D is for duplication. And that is where I will sit around with my man staff and our managers meeting, which we have every Monday morning. And it's not uncommon for me to just all of a sudden ask one of my managers, uh, Melanie, God forbid something happens to you, but uh, if something happened to you, who in your department is the person that you would recommend to take your place? Or a person from another department, who would that be? They have to be able to tell me who that is. And then the next question, Bob, is, okay, Melanie, what are you doing to improve that individual and to train them in how to be a leader? Right. And they have to be able to tell me that. Right. And if they're not, that means they're not doing a good job. Here's the deal, though. If you've got an in, insecure manager, they're going to think you're trying to replace them. That's not the case in our company. And yeah. it shouldn't be in anyone else's if you've got a competent game. Well, no, if you've, if you've done is, it right, I guess they're not insecure, are they? That's exactly right. right. That's right. So you, you, you have to have uh, loyalty back and forth between both. But you cannot tolerate lackluster you know, behavior and work habits out of your leadership. Right. I mean, you've got to have the right people in place. So duplication is just developing the next generation of leaders. And you know what? We even had a young lady who got an MBA recently who felt like that she should be ready to go into management. We didn't have any opening. Right. So we found another business friend of ours, and we made a match made in heaven between the two of them. Right. He needed someone like her, and she wanted to be able to be in management. Right. It's okay that I moved somebody out of the company, Bob. My other employees say, look, my goodness. Look what they did. They found her a job in another company. That means they really do care about helping us yeah. live our dreams. No, that's good. So that's what, that's what duplication is. And the last letter, of course, is S. That's right. Less. S is in success. Success matters and means different things to different people. You know, the number one thing, if you ask people, you went on the street, man on the street interviews, and you said, what would you do if you won a million dollars in the lottery? Oh, they'll tell you all the things they do. And the uh, problem is, is that people sit around and dream about something like that. It never happens. Yep. It's ridiculous. But that's what they dream about. Success is having a ton of money. Well, let me tell you, that is not the case. The number one person who, back in a few years back who had won the largest lottery in the United States at that time with the payout that he took was 314000 Pardon me, million, not thousand. Million dollars. Now, the guy who won it in Kentucky was a multimillionaire when he won the lottery, Bob. Yeah. So what happened was, 
is he won that. He had a company with 100 employees, very successful multimillionaire individual. Well, when he won that money, it changed him because, it, as it would anyone else. I've got all this money all of a sudden I did not earn. It doesn't yeah. matter how I spend it. So yeah. he had a granddaughter who was the apple of his eye, and he started buying her. Like He bought her four cars. He gave her $2,000 spending money. She quit her little job. She dropped out of high school. Make a long story short, she started hanging around with the wrong crowd, started doing drugs, and od She died. Yeah. And it broke his heart. His marriage fell apart. He virtually lost his company. His other daughter disowned him. Uh, he had people suing him left and right trying to get money out of him. And I yeah. remember seeing him on ABC's 2020, and he said the worst thing that ever happened to me was winning the lottery. So be careful what you ask for, because that is not success. Yeah, that's that, what success is, Bob. Success is leaving a legacy, impacting people's lives in the positive. You know, yeah. I, I tell people that at two Christmases ago, my employee gave me a treasure chest, or what I call it, as a wooden chest, and inside of that, they all wrote out by hand what I had meant to their lives since they've been with the company. Oh, that's and great. I tell you what, I can't, I can't get through two or three of those without tearing up because that is what success is. Yeah, period. I agree. Now, the motto in your book is "Build yourself, build your team, and together you'll build to lead." Yeah, that's that's just an encapsulation of R E W A R D S, isn't it? Sorry, exactly. So yeah, build yourself. Let, let me expand on that build yourself yeah. first. I read three to four hours every day. Leaders should always be sharpened as uh, Abraham Lincoln sharpened their axe. Yeah. And why I say Abraham Lincoln? Abraham's, Abraham Lincoln's quote was, if I've got six hours to chop down a tree, I'm going to yeah. spend the first four hours sharpening my axe. I use that so all the time. I, that's what I do today. Yeah. Sorry? I use, that, I use that quote all the time. In fact, I used it I love it. earlier in the show. <laughs> Good. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, it's How about a great that? quote. That's awesome. It is a great quote, and it really is true. So yeah. that's what I do today. I do not work in my company at all, Bob. Like I said, I take off 22, 24 weeks a year. My wife yeah. and I travel. I've got, like I said, 24 weeks planted a year. So I have to have sharp people running my company when I'm gone. Yeah. At every aspect, at every level of the company, everyone is incentivized, like I said, to do their best work. So they take exceptionally good care of our clients, and we help them. That's how we're successful. You know, Zig Ziglar, like you said in the beginning, you want to be successful in life, make sure other people are successful first. You'll win by default. Yeah. So that's what yeah. we are. Well, so that's, you know, that's, go ahead. It's really interesting because I read I read a, a figure, I think, in, in Fortune magazine that said the average CEO in America, the average Fortune 500 CEO, reads between 15 and 25 books a year, where the average employee reads none. None. Well, less than one. That's true, buddy. Yeah. Less than one. Yeah. That's the average American. Yeah. And that's a tragedy in our country. It is a tragedy. Yeah. yeah. With, this this is a problem that a lot of people struggle with these days. But with all the chat about, you know, you've got to treat Generation X differently than Generation Y. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? You know, I'm, I to some degree, I agree with that, but... On the other side of the coin, I'm concerned that I'm not sure where, that, where that's going to lead everybody. So what are your thoughts about it? Well, I'm glad you asked that. I actually was on a show, about an hour-long show, with a lady who was an HR expert. And I respect them. Please don't think I'm disparaging them in any way. I'm not. Sure. But what she was talking about is that you need to know how to treat these different generations and you know treat them differently because they're a different age. My company, we have 20-somethings, 30-somethings, 40-somethings, and 50-somethings. And I don't do, and I, I said this in a few, it stopped everybody in the discussion on the radio show in New York City when I did that. Yeah. And here's what I said to them. I said, tell me, you're telling me basically that before I can discuss anything with a particular individual, I have to go to HR and find out how old they are so I know how to talk to them. <laughs> yeah. That's asinine. You know, yeah. everybody out there, regardless of age, wants to be shown once again that they are significant. If you show them respect, they will respect you. If you show them that you care and are loyal to them, they are they will be loyal to you. That's what it boils down to. Show them that they matter. That's the number one thing. And that's all anybody wants. Everything else is fluff. 
Yeah, it's interesting because I've seen some um, some studies that show that irrespective of how old you are, we all hurt and cry and bleed and worry about the same stuff. That's right, absolutely. So everybody, people, people, people haven't changed that much over the last <laughs> say fifty years. People, have, everything yeah. around us has changed, and communications changed dramatically. But sure. people, people. People themselves really haven't changed that much. I mean, if somebody sits down and watches Love Story and they're 20 years old, they still cry at the same spots, you know. It's, it's really interesting. <laughs> so you've become a top 10% manager in three different industries um, yeah. and you become a multimillionaire in two of them. So mm -hmm. just out of curiosity, what are the three industries? Three industries, primarily retail when I started out. That one didn't become a millionaire. <laughs> right. But I, I learned, I had 13 years of retail. It's uh, a hard that, record, retail. Like, <laughs> yes, it is. And I, I actually, you know, I tell people, look, if you're going to do retail, you're going to be giving up some things. But, you know, like your nights and weekends, that kind of thing. That's tough. And I yeah. did that for many years. Uh, and I've got some great, I learned so many skills from it. So I'm not disparaging that boy either. But what I did, primarily in the business that I'm in now, like I said, we're in the top 1% in the, in the world, really, in the employee engagement recognition industry. So I'm top 1% there. And second, I'm top 1% in real estate. As I told you, I have no debt, but I have quite a bit of property. Right. And it's all debt-free. I have no debt on it. I'm here to build another uh, 13,000 square foot building on my property because we've outgrown our 20,000 square foot office building. So wow. we have to uh, implement and immediately implement and get in place a program to build a new building. So we already got the plan to get the permits and everything to start next month. That's fantastic. We're running a little mm -hmm. short on time. So in these current economic times, it, you know, it, it's tough for companies to to raise funds to give employees, unless you happen to be a fund manager on Wall Street, of course. But for most companies <laughs> out there, going along making their dollar each week it's pretty tough to provide much in the way of employee recognition isn't it what's what's your advice as to how to pay for these sorts of programs well quite frankly they pay for themselves so the average world-class pardon let me say this the average u.s company has two employees for every disengaged employee and the average world-class company and there are few of them yeah. but they have 10 engaged employees for every disengaged employee and here's the difference in money the, the world-class companies, on average, have 400% more profits than the average U.S. company. So you have more than enough money to pay for employee recognition when the people are treated right and that you tie, like I said, the employee yep. engagement and recognition program is the goal of the company. Easy yep. to pay for. Yeah, I agree. And you can keep the rest. <laughs> That's the best part. Um, <laughs> yeah. David, thanks very much for joining me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. I really appreciate it. Now, don't forget, David's book is called Built to Lead, Seven Management Rewards, spelled out, R-E-W-A-R-D-S, Principles for Becoming a Top 10% Manager. If you'd like to learn more about David and how to become a great leader and incentivate your employees, go to myemployees.com. That's myemployees.com. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show right after this short break. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking. Absolutely no bullshit business show. Coming to you this week from my hometown of Los Angeles. And this is a segment of the show where we bring you emails from our listeners around the world. Email today from Marcia Nolan of Salem, Missouri. Marcia writes, Dear Bob, we have a business that is now about 18 months old and is coming along slowly, although much more slowly than I would like. What are the most important considerations we should have 
going forward. Well, Marcy, thanks for your email. It's pretty hard. You know, growing a business is hard. You've got that, um, it takes you a while to climb up to the plateau when you, you know, start to go downhill, not go downhill, but where things start to get easier. Um, So I've jotted down a few points that I think are important for all people in business to keep abreast of. Certainly not the only challenges, but they're some of them, and I'll cover as many of them as possible in the time that I have left. The first issue is technology. Now, keeping up with technology is no longer just an option, but it's an absolute necessity. And it's also difficult. I, I get bombarded with technology, and I must admit I look at it and go, geez, how am I ever going to keep up? How am I ever going to um, understand all this stuff? But um, technology can bring numerous advantages to any business. It'll prove, you know, improve your sales opportunities, um, um, enable greater customer service, it'll improve productivity, um, offer promotional um, opportunities, accelerating communications internally and externally, um, give customers access to um, <clears throat> your system so that they can track their orders and all that sort of stuff. But it's a uh, time-consuming endeavour for business owners and you've got to just determine what it is precisely that you will need. Um, A simple Google search of um, keeping up with technology will give you enough information to keep you on your way. The second issue is attracting and keeping good employees. Now, attracting the right employees is another difficult thing to do. And the first step in attracting the best employees is to determine exactly who you need and what qualifications you need and what characteristics and what personality that you want from these people. Um, You also need to know the going rate for that type of person around your area because um, if they're good, a lot of other people will be chasing them. (coughs) Excuse me. My um, best successes have been through LinkedIn. Always works for me. Um, and employees don't always want to, uh, just money to be rec- recognised. There's a number of other things. Um, some of them might want a little bit of extra time off so they can take the kids to school or so they can enjoy things. Or There's a whole range of reasons why people will stay with you apart from money. The third consideration is um, keep current with your professional knowledge. I mean, this is really important. Now, um, Make sure you get the magazines and the journals about your industry. Make sure that you know everything about your industry and who's doing what. Um, initiatives that are being taken by your competitors and, and people outside your industry. Make sure you attend conferences. Just do all the things that um, you need to do, internet-based courses and webinars. Look for things that are about your industry and keep up with it. The fourth consideration is making sure that you provide value. A critical business issue is about communicating the value of your product or service. Um, Differentiating your firm on the basis of value means you've got to offer services that your clients deem valuable. So, um, you know, make sure that you need to evaluate what you've got to offer and then Make sure you sell that, establish a niche and uh, become an expert in a specific area that gives more value to clients. And the final element I'm going to mention is keeping current. Um, Business practices go through changes that can make your life as a business owner simple or more complex. Keeping current in your profession, particularly with all the disruptive practices that are taking place, is imperative because you can be swept out of business in absolutely no time. And uh, and it's not only about keeping up with your product, but keeping up with the changes of technology and the right employees and keeping your current uh, product current, differentiating your firm from competitors. There's a whole range of stuff. Managing your business, you know, building a successful business is very complex. It often has less to do with your product or service and more about managing the process. Margie, thanks for your email. A copy of my latest book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, it's on its way to you. If you're a regular listener to the show and are benefiting from the advice that my guests and I give you each week, please tell your friends to listen 
go to my website at bobpritchard.com and subscribe to my newsletter, which I promise you will go out this week. Send in your questions. Email me at bob at bobpritchard.com. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook. Become a contact on LinkedIn. We're very confident this will be a fantastic year for everyone in business in the United States in particular, and it's a perfect time to commence your entrepreneurial endeavours. So thanks for listening to the Bob Pritchard No Bullshit Business Radio Show for Entrepreneurs, and remember, it's much easier to do the impossible than to do the ordinary. This is Bob Pritchard, and I hope that you have a fantastic week. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.